Welcome to Neither Here Nor There. Bastard, you're in nature. This is their home. Will you relax a bit? I'll relax when they start buzzing in my ears. What's the most you've lost because of a bad opinion? Probably missed out on some money, an experience, a girl. But usually things work themselves out, don't they? Life being a, what was it, a rich tapestry, I think that's what I read, a rug of all these fine weaves, some catching you regularly, ruining the perfect symmetry of the rug. Up close you notice every little flaw, but when you step back and look at the work, it's awe-inspiring, and it's yours. I forget where I read that, but it moved me come to think of it, it was Robert who told me to read it in the first place. I guess I should go into who's who now. I'm Gary. I work in an office. I tell you what I do, but I I don't want to bore you. And then there was Robert, my, my friend. We'd known each other since we were About five. Of the two of us, Robert was the overachiever. I've always been okay with B's and C's. As long as I graduated, I didn't care. But Robert, there was... something about him. He was always so determined. It was like he was constantly competing against himself and everyone around him. He got into some small, elite college. I went to my local university. Continued to get B's and C's there, and he went off to some private college in the Northeast. And there he did exactly what he did ever since I first met him. He excelled. He worked his ass off and managed to find his way into a job that pays more money than I've ever seen. Things got tough for a bit. We stopped seeing each other as much. I managed to find a steady girlfriend while... Robert worked 18-hour days and carried his laptop to lunches. You know how it goes when you're single and your friend isn't. It's almost like a breakup in itself. Like, we aren't done, I'm not going anywhere, it's just that I have a new top priority. Sorry, I think that this distance, and work being the way that it was, piled up on Robert until he reached a breaking point. He would never admit it was a breaking point, but... You knew, you know? I think the goal was to get us as far away from his office as possible, so he bought us plane tickets to the jungle. The fucking jungle. Rob, I'm not outdoorsy. And plus, with with Sarah. Yeah, she's, uh, she's gonna have to be okay with it. Why? I don't know. Tell her I'm going through a divorce. She knows you'd never dated anyone. Fine. 
Then tell her I'm so lonely that I'm going to kill myself if you don't come with me. The fucking jungle. It was a 16-hour flight from where we were at to San Diego, then down to Lima, Peru. From here, it was a bus tour through all these ravines that would drop us off at the start of our hike. Groups formed, and there were different hikes at different difficulties. The beginner hikes, if you could even call them that, just meant you didn't have to bring climbing gear. Robert, naturally, chose a path that didn't even exist. These things are always money traps. They set up the big scares and animal encounters. Get your money's worth. I don't know. I'd I'd rather stay with the... Well, I'm going. And I'll try not to fall and die and kill myself in agony. Where it would be, Rob, all your fault. Rob... Oh, man. Having to tell your wife... Rob, I'm coming with you. I had to join a search party for Rob because he disappeared in the night because I wanted him to go off the beaten path all alone. You done? No, I got one more. And then you have to look my future wife in the eyes and say, I had the perfect man for you. It's just his head exploded when he fell 2,000 feet to his death. You... Uh, Yeah, I'm good. Here, give me a boost. And off we went. Over this fence, and down the side of this mountain. And I've got to say, it was beautiful. Sides of mountains that probably only the Inca had seen for hundreds of years. All to us. With no tour guide to tell us to slow down for the others. It was nice. That part was... nice. We had one week of camping before we had to be back on the bus heading home. I know Robert was trying to stretch it as long as physically possible. There was a time period I thought that he would intentionally miss the bus and just never go back. The first night went... as you'd expect. I never actually slept on the ground before. My parents were very, uh, codependent, I guess is the right word for them. They weren't the type to go out and have adventures, so we spent pretty much every single night at home. This was the first night I'd ever camped, and I didn't want Rob to know that. I don't even know if he'd invite me if I said that this was my first time or not. I got maybe three hours of sleep in total. We camped out under this tree that was a bit too near to a cliff edge for me to feel safe. We positioned our sleeping bags so they were pretty tangled in in and on the roots. It felt awful. I mean, the alternative was just tumbling to your death, so you take what you can get. I did notice that at some point during the night, Rob got up and started messing with... something. He climbed on... something... I think. I don't know. All I know is that I woke up and... Mango! What? Yeah, you wouldn't wake up, so I went and found food. Here. I still don't know how he was doing it. Somehow, he had the same amount of energy he always does. He was a weird guy. We finally made it down to the side of a waterfall, which led down to this incredibly quiet river, which seemed to cut through the valley with no problem at all. We washed off there, cooled down a bit, and set up camp. 
not really too much to tell you about this day, honestly. Set up camp, and I was finally able to get some sleep. Well, until I had this nightmare. It had to have been two, three in the morning during it. I mean, it's a dream. I didn't bother checking my watch. I kind of stare at my hands for a bit. Then I looked up and saw that Rob was gone. I figured he probably went for a swim or something like that. We are on vacation. What even is time? I sat up, put my glasses on, when I saw Rob standing there. Stiff. He looked... terrified. I couldn't see his face or anything. It was just his silhouette against the strangely bright night sky. He looked like he was trembling. My mind ran through all the things anyone else would have thought of, you know, if they saw someone act like this. Like, is he just a sleepwalker? My ex-girlfriend sleptwalked all the time. At first, it's really scary, but honestly, you just get used to it. I figured I probably should go guide him back to bed. There's jagged rocks everywhere, the ground's uneven. It's not safe. So... I get up and walk my way over, trying to be as quiet as possible, when suddenly, I saw it too. In front of him was this thing. It looked like a bee or a wasp, but it was probably 20 times bigger than the biggest one you've ever seen. Its body reflected the moonlight brightly. This would be nearly impossible to look at during the day, it was so bright but the parts of it that weren't illuminated were impossibly black. I know that sounds like I'm exaggerating, but the exoskeleton of this... this thing was darker than the deepest black color I've ever seen. I don't think it ever noticed me at first. It stayed there, buzzing, glaring at Rob. Rob was panicking, whimpering, It felt like looking at someone being robbed at gunpoint. He didn't look like he was going to run for it. He looked like he was submitting to it. I tried to start backing up to save myself from whatever this thing was when... I I guess I stepped on a branch. And it startled both of them. Right as I turned to run, I saw out of the corner of my eye the thing's stinger erect itself and puncture into Rob's stomach. He let out this scream. I didn't know what was happening to Rob, but I couldn't take my eyes off of it. Everything in me was telling me to look away, to retreat, to call for help, to do anything. But I sat there, on my back, watching this thing stab through his stomach, and pump a horrible acid until he dissolved and turned to ash. Right as I panicked and tried to run, it locked its gaze on me and emitted this foul gas until it all went hazy, and then I woke up. You know that feeling you get after a nightmare? You're winded. You're covered in sweat. Your energy is near where you'd be if you'd, like, run a marathon. That's where I was at. 
We did drink a bit last night before heading to bed, so that probably wasn't helping. The sun didn't wake me up, which was funny. Usually I'm pretty easy to startle awake. Naturally, Rob was away from his sleeping bag. He was a late-to-bed, early-to-rise, everyday guy, but he wasn't out exploring. He was vomiting into the river. I went over to rib him about being hungover. Like, ah, didn't know you couldn't handle your liquor. But he looked sick. Like, sick, sick. Enough that if it were me, I'd probably have gone to an urgent care clinic. I looked at his body, and all over him were these deep, gray, inflamed sores. It looked like he rolled in poison ivy. With him constantly leaving his sleeping bag in the middle of the night, I don't doubt that he rolled in something on accident. He wasn't his usual self after that. I've seen this guy drink people under the table and get up and run the next morning. He looked tired. For the first time in his life, he looked tired. I knew this wasn't going to work. Took some convincing, but I managed to get him to agree to head back to camp. It was a huge relief. Not just because he needed help, but I don't think we would have made it to the bus back home if he'd had his way. I'll spare you the details. We got back. He threw up a lot. I had to carry his stuff. He threw up more. We got back on the bus, and he just slept. The whole time, too, which was... Again, not like him. He was wearing a long sleeve jacket and pants. I, I guess he'd gotten a fever. I tried to check under his sleeve to see if his rash was any better, but each time I did, he just recoiled. I imagine it hurt him more than he was letting on. We got back in town, and I had to shake him awake. It was at this point that I realized just how sick he'd become. I got him to a pharmacy in town, and everyone who saw us picking up alcoholic wipes and ibuprofen just stared at us. I know, I know, they thought. The tourists are bringing some disease to our town, and they had every right to. I just... I just didn't expect people to demand us to leave every store we tried to walk in. We took this as our sign to see the only doctor in the small town just outside Alema. I got him to the urgent care clinic, but... Things didn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Taking a look at this, uh, this boil. You sure this is all of a sudden? Yeah, it's... It's new. What usually causes these? Myriad of things? Uh, disease? General infection? All the main culprits for skin woes? What's going on with this rashy? My god, Rob. How long has it been like that? I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine. The rash Rob had developed on his arms had hardened. It's almost like his skin had turned to stone. Whatever he got into turned his body into... It'll sound ridiculous if I say it. Just know that it was shielded and discolored. Every inch of his arms and torso had turned into this dark gray, hard, padded patch of skin, which was rough like stone. If you could maneuver your fingers into the cracks, you could feel his body temperature rising too. 
almost like his skin was encasing him, trying to liquefy his organs to turn into something new. Sorry, that I know that's overly poetic. I just... I just couldn't shake what the doctor said. Yeah, <laughs> look at that. You're like a cocoon. Don't go evolving on me. <laughs> Here's a prescription for an antihistamine. Take this and uh, avoid whatever it is that you rolled in. Now, uh, if my watch is correct, you both have a couple hours till your flight takes off, huh? Safe travels and all that good stuff. And, uh, Rob? Yeah? Never mind. Just stay inside once you get home. There's no telling if you're contagious with something, you know? Sure. Sure. Yeah, alright. Sure. We got to the airport, uh, boarded the plane, took our seats. Each step along the journey there, I had to pull another jacket or sweatshirt from my bag to give to Rob. Whatever he got into gave him a nasty fever, and he couldn't seem to get warm enough to fight it. I didn't think much of it. Just wore my mask and kept my distance. Lucky enough for us, it was an empty enough flight that we could do just that. It's funny, being back in a climate-controlled area with a familiar seat, your body will succumb to just how tired you've been the whole time and catch up on all the sleep you missed out on. I was out like a light. Didn't have much time to think of Rob because my brain was shutting down. I put my headphones in and nodded off. I'm not much of a dreamer. I never really have been. Most of my dreams are monotonous, if I even have them. Dreams where I'm sorting rocks from a riverbank from smallest to largest anxiously putting clothes back into drawers they belong in until my alarm goes off. But this time, it was different. We were back underneath that tree. My legs were tangled in the roots and I couldn't wriggle myself free. Every move I did, it felt like the roots would grab me tighter and hold me down firmer until I couldn't move anymore. I could feel my heart rate soaring. I knew something was watching me. My eyes bolted around. I saw the moon and these thin clouds intersecting it, almost like a scalpel opening up a body for surgery. I couldn't calm myself down. I knew something bad was happening, but I didn't know what. That's when I looked to my left and saw... Rob. And that thing. Its body looked identical to the first night I dreamed it. Its body, as black as the void itself, the armored plating of its exoskeleton, and Rob, standing there, terrified. I was about to call out and try to do something when I looked just off to the left and saw myself snapping the branch and startling the creature. I see myself trying to run, tumbling, like a, like a baby deer trying to get its legs underneath itself for the first time in its life, and Rob, Rob being knocked back and stabbed with its stinger, seeing the insect, seeing it, I couldn't do anything, 
My legs were tangled up in the roots. I couldn't get up to help either of us. I just had to lay there and see whatever happened to Rob and then watched myself inhale a massive plume of smog that it bellowed from vents all along its body. I screamed. I... I guess I terrified a flight attendant. Usually the guys screaming on the planes are the ones you want to tape to the chair to make sure they don't hurt anyone else on board. They helped me calm down, which was... nice. I don't think I woke anyone up on the plane either, which was... also nice. I asked the flight attendant to check on Rob, and he was now taking up a full row of seats to himself and passed out asleep. At least he's sleeping, you know? The plane landed, and we all off-boarded and got into our cab to head home. Rob looked like shit. He put his head on my lap and just kept sleeping. The cab driver wasn't talking much, so I got lost in my own thoughts. Is it normal to dream a dream... again? To have it be this accurate, repeating the first time you saw everything happen in your sleep? I started to check my body. I found little scratches here and there, but nothing too serious. I don't know if it was just anxiety or me quantifying what's happening with my body to something I think happened, but it has been harder to breathe. Could it be that? Is it just pollen? I tossed this around over and over in my head, and I remembered the stinger. That thing, whatever it was, stabbing Rob, it couldn't have happened, right? He was violently sick that morning, but that can happen when you eat food you aren't used to. At least in my experience. I needed to see his stomach. The rest of the drive, this agonizing 25 minutes, was just me sitting there, wondering, what does Rob's torso look like now? And the moment I thought, there's no way that actually happened. He would have bled through his shirt at least right? I mean, that seems like a hard thing to hide. Unless whatever did it to you had evolved to keep your injuries hidden, which again, didn't happen. I sat there twiddling my thumbs, trying to strike up conversation, but the cab driver was on the phone with one of his friends. I was in agony. Streetlights passed overhead, and one after the other, in what felt like a slower and slower rhythm. Was I going insane? Seconds turning to minutes, turning to hours. My mind was spinning. Each light passing by, imagining another layer of Rob peeling away, reducing him to ash. I can see his face contort as I rip him to pieces, each shred of his being becoming dust and fading away. Then we were home. Help Rob get his bags out and took him inside. By this point, his resting position was a curled up ball, and wherever he was, he would lay on the floor and tuck his arms and legs underneath himself until he stopped moving and making noise. I helped him inside. I, I undressed him, trying to force him to take a bath, do something to get his body temperature to lower. And right as I took his shirt off, his... His body had completely turned rigid, 
like stone. Putting my hands on his shoulders, it felt like it was made of gravel. Small fragments of him falling off with each stroke of my hand. I... I shouldn't have done this. I I know I shouldn't have done this, but I began to swipe at his body. Removing as many layers of the stone-like skin as physically possible before putting him in the bath. Maybe this was an infection. Why was the doctor so quick to dismiss him if it was getting this bad? I didn't have time to think. At first, it was simple. Swipe of the hand here. Swipe of the hand there. Removing small amounts of powder from his body. Almost like your skin after it peels after a bad sunburn. Then it started to come off in pieces. I should have put on gloves, but I didn't care at this point. I needed to help Rob. Bit by bit, I peeled him apart. First in these scab-like blobs, then in more substantial pieces. Enough that I had to pull up a trash can. The skin underneath these patches of stone was almost translucent. I wasn't sure what his body was doing to heal itself. I spun him away from the tub and put him in between the counter light and myself. I could almost see through him in parts. The intricate vein network that weaves between each of his ribs, dampening the glow of the sterile white light, with each vein creating a delicate web in between. I worked my way down his chest, further and further, until I got to his stomach. Once I got to his stomach, the skin here was so hard, it was literally like stone. I picked at it, pulled it, nothing. It didn't seem to bother him either. I'd been trying to remove smaller sections when suddenly... Rob grabbed my hands. I was terrified. I started apologizing. I was letting him know that I was putting disinfectant on him. I was letting him know that the doctor essentially was okay with letting him die, but he didn't care. He stood up, looked me dead into my eyes, and said, I'm so sorry, Gary, and began to tear at his stomach. The pain on his face was massive. Whatever he was doing to himself must have been like getting stabbed in the stomach over and over again. Huge pieces of himself dropping to the floor in solid thuds and wet plops until all his tough, gray skin had been removed. We both stood there in what looked like a pile of ash. All around us was a dirty pile of what used to be Rob. I... I was horrified. I'd never seen someone dig at themselves like that. Wild animals don't even do that to themselves. He was sobbing. I was standing there, horrified. I looked down at his stomach where he'd been clawing at himself, and... Then I saw it. Through his translucent body, a small larva was tossing and turning, writhing around in his stomach. It had eaten away at almost all of his organs. It was here that I realized that his body, the stone skin he'd developed, had been a cocoon for a creature that I was convinced I had only dreamed of. He began to cook himself under clothing, the weight of his skin, liquefying his insides, just as any other metamorphosizing insect would. I had no idea what to do. 
tried to grab his hands to tell him that we're going to the hospital right now, but he pulled them back. He slammed his fingers through his stomach, piercing through the skin like he was tearing through paper, bleeding all over the floor before looking me in the eyes and saying, Run. He tore his flesh, and from his stomach burst a massive wasp-like creature with skin as dark as the night sky. And it all goes hazy from here. I remember running out of the bathroom, slamming the door behind me. I didn't have it in me to fight. I didn't even know what to tell the police if they'd shown up. Should I have just burned my house down? I don't think I'll ever have an answer to these questions. I just hope I left my windows closed. I know I had to have closed them. You believe me, don't you? I don't go outside at night anymore. I know that the wasp knows what I look like, and knows what I'm capable of, and he knows what he's capable of. I'm no threat to it. If it ever got out, and it knows that, so it could be lurking anywhere, waiting, just waiting. Know that if you're walking outside at night, and you see a dark spot in the sky, a spot much darker than anything around it, I'm so sorry. Do whatever it is that you need to do to get your mind ready, because you need to end the parasite by any means necessary. I'm begging you, stay out of the moonlight. Stay out of the moonlight. It's always watching you. You can't outrun it. You can't outrun it.